Father, this morning we come to you. We come by faith, believing you are who you are, that you never change. Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you never change. That we have somebody that our hearts and minds can be fixed on so that we know how we need to change, where we need to change, like whom we need to change. You, Lord, you. You never lie. So when we read the word, we don't have to struggle because every word is the truth. God is truth. And his word is truth. For you do what you say. And you say what you do. So this morning we come to you. Want to put aside everything that distracts. We sit like Mary at your feet. One thing you said will not be taken away from her. An eternity may be here from you. That one, this one, when they went to church, that one thing will not be taken away from them because they sat there at my feet and they listened to me and I could speak to them. One thing. That one thing, Father. Because if you don't hear, faith cannot come. We rest in you. Speak to us, O Lord. For you alone have the words of life. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We turn to Joshua chapter 1. And verse 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, We saw last Sunday, it all begins, it all begins when God speaks. All begins with God speaking. We have a God who speaks. Joshua's life will never be the same again. It will never be the same again because God spoke. That's how the Bible begins. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Jesus is the author of our faith. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. The beginning was the word. Please remember, the Bible is a very spectacular book. In the beginning, God. And it is written, when did God speak? To Joshua, after Moses was dead. Keep all these things in your mind. All these things in your mind. In the beginning, 
How was your beginning? Fifth of May, we are of February, we are here. How was the beginning? How was the day? Mark one thirty five says of the beginning of Jesus' schedule. When it was still dark, early in the morning, he rose and went to a solitary place to pray. So the Son of God came in the flesh, dwelt among us, and in the beginning of every day was God. That was his beginning of every day. That was his beginning. He is the way. He showed us how to live. This is the way you have to live. You divert from your that way, every other way leads to destruction. It doesn't matter how good it looks now. It leads to destruction. It leads to loss. Even if you are saved, your soul won't be destroyed, but it will lead to loss. So he showed us a way. In the beginning, the beginning is God. Let it be our beginning. Today is a good day, 5, 5th of February, right? 5 is the number of grace. We are not doing numerology, but it's a good day. And we are in the house of God. And John 1, 17 says, law came through Moses. Law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Joshua 1 and verse 1, Moses, my servant is dead. If you have served law all these years, it is good. Law is from God. The commandment is holy. But you served law all these years. Let it die. Let it die. Wherever there is law still working in your life, Grace and truth cannot come in. It will stop. Law will make you a slave. Not a bad slave, an obedient slave, but still a slave. Truth makes you a son. The son abides with the father forever. Okay? Get simple things into mind. We are not trying to make it very complex. We'll teach you the general will of God. Find your slot in the body of Christ. My servant, Moses, is dead. My servant, Moses, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. And therefore, arise. We need to realize there is these patterns in the Bible. Until certain things die, God cannot speak. Lord, why are you not speaking to me? Because Moses is alive. It's a pattern. Okay? It's a pattern in the Bible. When Abraham was in the Ur of the Chaldeans, God came to him and he spoke. Leave city. Leave your father's household. We don't know what died in Moses, uh, Abraham's life for God to speak to him the first time. We don't know what died. The Jewish legends they have different books, Talmud, Torah. They have their legends also. It says, Abraham's father, Terah, was a worshipper of idols. Joshua also says that in Joshua 24. He says, Terah worshipped idols. But the Jewish legend says more than that. Terah was an idol maker. 
that's what is sold. Like we have festivals coming in and the idols are sold. Tara was one of that. He made those idols. One day he had to go somewhere. So he called his son Abraham and said, you stay in the shop and watch and sell it. When he left, the Jewish legend says there was a hammer. Abraham took the hammer and break all the idols. There was a big idol. And he kept the hammer in the hands of the big idol. When his father came back, all he saw was loss. He said, what did you do? He said, I didn't do anything. What do you mean? He said, that big one did it. He said, you liar. You know that cannot do it. He says, you, said, you know that it cannot do it and yet you are selling it to people. So something probably died, idolatry died in Abraham's life and God spoke. Because his father was a worshipper of idols. He's a son of an idolate. Something died in his life. And God spoke. They said, leave all that and move to the land that I'm showing you. The problem is, he took his father along. He settled down. Next time God speaks, the Bible says, Terah is dead. So when Terah dies, Terah dies, God spoke. And he entered into the promised land. Lots of things happened. He went into Egypt because he never heard from God. He never sought God. And then he comes back. There is conflict. Listen to last night's Q&A. You will get some more insights on it. He is gracious. He allows his nephew, whom he shouldn't have taken with him, but he took him with him, and the Bible says, Lot separated from Abraham. The last part of his family, household, attachment in his life. And the Bible says, when Lot left, God spoke. God spoke. You need to realize, there is a pattern in Allah. God keeps on speaking, but sometimes he waits for us certain things to die in our lives before God can show us where to turn, where to move further. He heard from God. The blessing of the seed, he ran with it to Sarah. And Sarah ran with it faster. Now you have an Ishmael. God waited 13 years until both of them were physically dead. No more capacity to produce another child. Both are dead, literally dead. Not literally, but metaphorically dead in their bodies. Then God spoke. Okay? So just don't read lightly scripture. Moses, my servant is dead. God spoke to If God doesn't speak... What he began, I will not allow him to finish. Not allow him to finish. He's the author. How did he begin? Faith comes from? How will he finish? The same faith continues by? If you go to China, you will see ghost cities. Massive structures built. Nobody living there. Massive skyscrapers built. Ghost cities. What they started, they couldn't finish. 
our lives shouldn't be like that. It should be ultimately when we stand before God, it should be a finished work so that God receives the glory in eternity too. So this is a new generation. It's a new generation. They're going to enter into the promised land. Okay. It's a new generation. It's not a generation that wasted their time and lives without allowing God to finish what he had started. He could start them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get them into the promised land. God didn't fail them. They failed God. New beginning. New generation. New beginning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. A new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's an awesome start God gives his children. Galatians 6 verse 15 says, In Jesus, Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. What God gives his children is an absolute new beginning. That's how you should look at your life. Forgiven. Justified and given the gift of righteousness. In sports we say, ready, steady, go. Forgiven. That's one thing. All your sins. Justified. Next day. Just as if you never sinned. That is stage two. And then the righteousness of himself. That's what we sang in Hindi. It's beautiful. It's beautiful also because it was Hindi and Urdu. Beautiful. And after listening to that Urdu words, I was reminded of the time I spoke one day in a Pakistani church. Simple Pakistani laborers from Pakistan where Christians are treated like dirt. You had to see their worship and their response when I preached in Hindi. Tears flowing down. And they worship, all dressed in the typical Pakistani, whatever you call that, Pathan suit, simple. And they probably came from the other faith. So as they enter into the church, there is automatically they go down and they are worshipping and crying. You know? So in that song, those words were like music. You need to have come from there to understand the liberty you have in Christ Jesus. When a system and a community treats you like slaves and then you come to Christ and you realize it doesn't matter. In God's sight, I'm his son. Papa, you have to hear them. New creation. All things have passed away. Read, read the epistles. Read the epistles. In the four gospels, we have the life of Jesus Christ. The persona of the Father reflected through the Son. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. How he lived among us, how he did, he died, he was crucified, 
he died and he was buried and he was resurrected. But the epistles are the letters of the father to his children. What did Christ do? What did he do? And what is he doing in us? Four gospels, life of Christ. The epistles of what he's done and what he's doing in every one of us. You have to read it. Epistle means letter. It's not like what the Sunday school child wrote. Epistle is the apostle's wife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Epistle means letter. Okay, Paul may have wrote it. Paul was just an instrument. It was written by the father of Jesus, the spirit of God, to his other children so that we understand how does this new creation love? Okay. So it's a new beginning. Absolutely new beginning. Every day for the children of God. That's why the Bible says his mercies are morning. So when we go and actually by faith receive the mercies, you know what he says? It's a new fresh start. Fresh start. It's a fresh start. God says, ready, steady, let's go. New beginning. I was telling in the Nepali church, there are 1,189 chapters together in the 66 books of the Bible. Bible. But when you are talking about new, absolutely sinless new, there are only four chapters. First two chapters, Genesis 1 and 2, and the last two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22. The rest are all in between sin contaminate. Chapter 20, judgment is over. All sin has been dealt with. Put it in the lake of fire. 21 is a new creation. And I saw the old earth and old heavens has passed away. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And then that next verse, music to my ears. There is no cease. There's no cease. So you need to realize there are four chapters. So these are also chapters as new creation we should learn to focus on. Because in the first two chapters of the Bible, there are fundamental laws that govern God's universe, or God's kingdom, or God's earth in which we live for the new creation. And the last two chapters is our destiny. Whenever you are troubled, Whenever you are troubled, go read Revelation 21 and 22. Honestly, it's comfort. Comfort. In the beginning, right? Revelation 21, 4 and 5. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Somebody wrote to me yesterday this. I get a kick when I have people to my tell. I just give a reference, hoping they will read. These are two big people to tell them to read, so I just put a reference. When they are right back with these words, I feel, ah, they read it. They read it. He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things all things new. Please understand that. Anyone who is in Christ Jesus, all things have passed away. All things has been made. It's a new person inside. And that's the world he's called to live in. That's where you are going. 
We are living in an old world where all things are of old. Contaminated and messed up by sin. But the person in new, God has made him new for a world where we are going, where all things will be made new. So don't get too comfortable here. Don't get too comfortable here. That's why Peter will use two words to describe our life on earth. He uses two terms, sojourners and pilgrims. But you cannot live like a sojourner and a pilgrim unless your mind starts looking at what God has spoken up to where I am going. And who am I? Who am I? This is who I am. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. Behold, I have made all things new. And then God talks about where we are going. So when God speaks, whenever God speaks, what he does is, you look at that, what do you get? What do you get is hope. When God speaks, today's morning daily devotion, if you read, if you had the time to read, because you're all busy people. It is all about hope. It is all about hope. Do you know God is called in the Bible the God of hope? It's called the God of hope. Every time when God speaks to his children, what he births in us is hope. Romans 8, verse 18 onwards. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. What is that? The second law of thermodynamics. Entropy has set in. That's what you see, everything. Everything is slowly decaying, dying. Every time you look in the mirror, that's what you see. Decay has set in the outer man. It has set in the outer man. That doesn't matter. If you know what's happening to the inner man, the outer man's decay doesn't bother you. It bothers people because inner man is not being renewed. But if the inner man is being renewed from glory to glory, the outer man's destruction does not matter. Because you law, yes, that law is working outside, but another law is working inside. There are two laws working. The spirit of death and destruction is working inside, but I am not without hope because another law is working inside. I am being renewed from glory to glory, to strength to strength. And that is my hope. So it was subjected in, in hope. Let's go further. Because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know the whole world, whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Is there a groan inside? For we were saved in this hope. In this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. Why does one still hope for what he sees? And verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Okay. 
honestly the new creation if you are a new creation Christ Jesus when it looks all around it understand what god has spoken entropy has set in sin came in everything is dying and you look at yourself you also know you are also slowly dying outwardly but inside is something else inside is something else peter would put it across or the spirit of god through peter would put it across in first peter 1:3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to what a living hope it's a constant living hope okay but the problem is all of creation is waiting for us because when man fell they fell now their redemption is connected with us they cannot be redeemed before us and old earth is waiting for a new earth because the old earth has to be cleansed by fire and god will create a new earth the old heavens which was messed up by satan's fall will be cleansed by fire and god will create a new heaven but they cannot it cannot happen until we have finished our work you don't realize if the trees and the animals and the earth all had voices they would tell you will you please hurry up because the only entity on planet earth which can hasten the coming of the lord jesus christ it is written is the church and nobody else over and over and over it is written in the parables the bridegroom delayed the bridegroom delayed the bridegroom delayed the bridegroom delayed why did the bridegroom delayed because the bride wasn't ready the bride wasn't ready so hope is a huge thing in the bible so when you read the bible when you read god's word there should be hope So don't look at your situations. Don't look at your situations. So God is speaking to a generation, a generation who had wandered for 40 years in the wilderness because of the sins and the unbelief of their parents. Okay. And then they see Moses is dead. He went up, he never came down. He's dead. 30 days are over. Then God speaks to Joshua and he tells arise so you have the book of joshua and the book of acts which are new beginnings for a people who have been redeemed genesis 1 and 2 revelation 21 and 22 absolute new beginnings joshua and book of acts from chapter 2 is new beginnings for a redeemed or a saved people they are going to enter into the promised land we are going to enter into the promised life Then, if you want to look at an individual, we are not going there. You read Second Kings chapter two, where a young man, after eighteen years—that's what theologian says—is going to enter into his new destiny. Okay. And in each of these situations, there is somebody who is left. Moses has left. Joshua is going to lead. Jesus has left. The Spirit of God is going to lead the church. Elijah is gone. Elisha is going to move forward alone. So you will see always there is a transition. But what is constant through it all is there. There is God. So arise, Joshua. Arise, Joshua. Prepare to pass over and possess. Okay, a land that has been promised, but it has to be possessed. 
Though it has been given, it has to be taken. It has to be fought for. In First Timothy, Paul will tell a young man called Timothy, chapter 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. It's the only life fight a believer is called to fight. It's called the fight of faith. It's a good fight. And Paul will say at the end of his life, I fought the good fight and I finished my race. What you get during and in the process of fighting this fight is you get hold of eternal life. Lay hold on eternal life. The very life Jesus came to bring. I have come to give you life. Life in abundance. God has given, but it has to be fought for. The land is given, but you have to fight for. It's a good fight. Everything about it is good. The goal is good. What is the goal? It's eternal life. What is eternal life? Life of God and life with God. The method is very good. What is the method of this fight? It is by faith. The resources God offers to fight this fight is very good. What is it? It is called grace. By faith, you access this grace by which you stand every day. Are you hearing? But before anything can happen, before the first pebble, a rock, or whatever they used to build these walls, mud, there was no cement then, lime, mortar. Before the first mortar will start peeling off or the rock will fall off the walls of Jericho, before they can do anything, there is something Joshua has to do. Joshua has to do. Let's quickly fast forward to Joshua 5, verse 13 to 15. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man, M capital, stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Sir, uh, he said, are you for our us or for our adversaries? He said, no. But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? When the civil war was going on, one of the commanders asked President Lincoln, Mr. President, do you think God is on the Union side or with the Confederates? He said, Man, I'm not worried. I'm more worried about whether we are on God's side. You need to realize God does not pick sides. God doesn't pick sides. You and I have to choose. I said before you, life and death, blessings and curses. You choose. At the end of the conquest, Joshua will say the same thing. Either you can worship the gods of these nations or Yahweh, you choose. I have made choice, choice for my and my household. Elijah will stand on Mount Carmel and say, if Baal is Baal, worship Baal. If Yahweh is God, worship God. We don't. God doesn't choose. We choose. We choose. 
And once he hears his response, he falls on his face and he worships. And he says, your servant hears. What do you have to say? This is what he said. He said, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did. Okay, We have heard this many times. But you need to hear these things over and over again. Every place you go, you go. The sole of your foot treads. I'll give it to you. But before I can give it to you, take your sandals off. The sandals represent our acquired knowledge from the world. Because when I step out, the first place where I touch the world is my feet. Our acquired knowledge from the world, God says, put it away. Because when God speaks, the simple factor is, your mind usually never understands. Don't bring your understanding into what God has spoken. How can Jesus stripes 2,000 years ago heal my disease now? That's exactly dummy. You will not understand. Believe. You're bringing your mind there. Don't bring your mind with the word of God. First believe and then you will start understanding if God chooses to give understanding. In many cases, he will not even give you understanding. But the thing will happen. Take your sandals off. The first thing that happens over there is Joshua yields. Before anything happens, Joshua yields. He's on his face before God. Sandals are off, he yields. Please understand this. If you do not yield, you will not be able to wield the sword of the Spirit. If you do not yield, you will not be able to wield the sword. Proverbs 21 and verse 33. 31. The horse is prepared for the day of battle. Joshua, prepare. Pass over and possess. Three days they prepared and they passed over. The horse is prepared for the battle. But don't forget Deliverance is of the Lord. They have prepared. They have passed over. But you are not going to win one tiny bit of wit victory if you don't acknowledge who delivers you. Victory is of the Lord. So the first encounter Joshua will have in the promised land is with the Jehovah Shabbat, the Lord of the house, standing there, Jesus. Not the Jesus who hung on the cross, but the Jesus with a drawn sword in his hand. Don't forget that. We will never win any victory unless we know that deliverance is of the Lord. You try to fight God's battles in your own strength, it is not going to happen. It is not going to happen. So get these simple fundamentals in mind. How can I arise? How can I prepare how can I pass over? How can I possess the promises of God if God doesn't speak and show up? If God doesn't speak and show up. How is anything going to happen without God? In Matthew 6 and verse 33, Jesus, in the middle 
of the Sermon on the Mount, his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. He mentioned two things. First thing he said, seek first the kingdom of God. Second thing he said is seek first his righteousness. Don't just read righteousness. No, his righteousness. The gospel, Romans 1.17 will say, the gospel is the power of God. Why? For in it, what is revealed? The righteousness of God is revealed. Which is how? Revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of God is revealed. What does faith actually do? Faith actually brings the righteousness of God in. If it is not by faith, you are either proclaiming your own righteousness or the righteousness of the law and both are unacceptable. So God said there are two things you need to seek. One is the kingdom. The other is the righteousness that comes by his faith. In Romans 3.22, again he will say, even the righteousness of God, how does it come? Through faith in Jesus Christ. To all and all who believe, there is no difference. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of a king is the domain of a king which is governed by his will. That's why we pray thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Governed by his will. Where his will and his laws are absolute. Absolute. What a born again believer or a child of God learns in the church in this world, governed by the enemy, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, but you are of God. See, that's what scripture says in 1 John 5, 19. But you are of God in this world, but this whole world lies under the sway of the weak evil one. You are of God. You are not of this world. But you are in this world. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, but we are of God. So if we are of God, we are of his kingdom. If we are of his kingdom, we need to learn how does the kingdom function. How does the kingdom function? Our citizenship is of heaven. We need to learn how to walk. Second Corinthians 5-7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. We learn how to walk. Walk by faith. We, we don't understand. Faith is a completely different lifestyle. Which is contradictory to our earlier lifestyle. This don't mix. Sight and faith does not mix. They don't agree. So many of you are just staring into my face like that because you are still trying to use sight and not faith. It doesn't mix. We lived by sight. We are called to live by faith. And if you have to live by faith, you have to know what are the laws of faith. If I am right, Romans 3.27 talks about the law of faith as opposed to the other laws. Did I give? No, I didn't give. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? No, by the law of faith. That same law of faith in the New Covenant, or Romans 8, is called the law of the Spirit. 
These laws are unseen. But just because you don't see it, it works. A simple example we use. All the little children who keep falling, why do they fall? Because there is an unseen law called gravity. Can you see gravity? Doesn't matter, it works. If you obey the law of gravity, you will walk steady. If you disobey that unseen, you will, the doctors will earn their money. You'll end up with fractures. This law is irrelevant whether you are knowledgeable or not knowledgeable. That's what happened to our little Gemma. She was in the walker. Somebody left the door open. She walked on her walker and went down the stairs. Oh, it's a baby. Gravity stops. No, it doesn't stop. We do not realize we actually live on earth governed by a whole set of laws which we don't see. But we fearfully obey. In the same way, if you want to live by faith, if you want to live by faith, God says it's a completely different lifestyle. It is how God loves. Let me put it in a different way. How does God love? By faith. God loves by faith. That is his life. The faith that I love, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I no longer love, but Christ Jesus lives in me. It's God's life. How does God love? By faith. And how does it come? It comes by hearing. What? Hearing what? Hearing comes from the word of God. That faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. We don't have to go there. And then Romans 10, 8 says, When you hear the word that you hear, the word of faith that we preach, we believe in our heart. Confess with our mouth. So the seat of faith is the heart. Seat of faith is the heart. And I'm praying and I'm believing as you hear God speak, you will believe with your heart. Believe with your heart. I don't understand salvation, but I have experienced it and I experience it every day. I don't understand salvation. I still can't figure out salvation with my mind. How can you, how can you figure out salvation with your mind? But it happened. Forget salvation. I can't figure out my microwave. <laughs> Still I heat and eat. <laughs> I'm not sitting there and trying to figure it out. I don't know how you do. And it goes for one minute and everything is warm. I don't waste my time to figure it out. I just enjoy it. So don't try to figure out salvation with your mind. Just enjoy it. But if salvation is of the heart, heart, then faith is more than a lifestyle. Faith is a relationship. This is what we forget. It's more than a lifestyle. If faith is a relationship, that's why God says, love God with all your heart. First with the heart. 
First with, with all your heart. Then with the mind and all you will keep understanding. But first with all your heart. And that's what God said. We sang a beautiful song, right? Papa and Beta. I did not know. I was always your son. Did you know that before you were saved, you were, you were God's child? That even before the foundation of this world was laid, our names were written. We were always his children. We did not know it. And that changes everything. Because the world is full of orphans. Fatherless children. God adopted us. Put us into his family. The kingdom of God is full of children. There is a family and there is a father. The will of the father is how the kingdom works. So Hebrews 11 and verse 1, the most powerful chapter on faith says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith doesn't come first. Hope comes first. Faith doesn't come first. Hope comes first. Faith is the evidence of what you're hoping for. I hope all of you are sitting and looking at me, at my face, looking hopefully. And this, and this is all evidence of it. Faith is the evidence. What are you hoping for? Like I said, hope is a goal setter. Where there is no hope, there is no goal. There is no goal. Let God set the goal. There is a divine hope. There is a human hope. In the divine hope, God sets the hope. In the carnal hope, you set the hope and you are asking God, please, would you pay the check? God may or may not, at the end of it is emptiness. Go to Genesis chapter 1, words 2 and 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God sees three things. What does he see? He sees there is no form. It is empty and it is dark. He sees three things. No form, empty and darkness. That's what he sees. But God is the God of hope. What is hope? Simple word. Desire. Understood it better? I desired something. Delight in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Don't invert it. Give me the desires of my heart and I shall delight in you. God says no. Delight in me. And as you keep delighting in you, I will change your desires. Your desires will be my desire. That's why David was a man. It's better to be in the house of the Lord. A day in the presence of the Lord is like a... I was glad, very glad. This is a man who delighted in the Lord and God gave him all the desires of his heart except one thing. Build the temple. Every desire he fulfilled. And when he took Beth that's what he said. In his Spanish, he said, Malkriyad, naughty boy. You shouldn't have done it. If you had wanted, I would have given you all the concubines of Saul. 
Why was God so extravagant towards David that he would give him all the desires of his heart? Because he was a man who delighted in the Lord. So don't invert order. So God is a God of hope. God is a God who desires. So he sees something. He sees there is no form. It is empty and it is darkness. But when he speaks, he speaks according to what he's hoping for. He says, let there be light. He doesn't speak what he sees. He speaks what he is desiring. What he is desiring. The problem is, the natural man speaks what he sees. And he gets what he sees. God doesn't speak what he sees. God speaks what he desires. So the first manifestation of faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Or the proof of what you are desiring for are your words. How do you know what God is hoping for? You look at his words, you will know what he is hoping for. That is faith. That is faith. So he sees stuff, there is no form, it is empty, and darkness is covered, and he doesn't say, let there be form, let the emptiness, he doesn't say, he says, let there be light. Let there be light. You need to understand, that's what we need first. You enter into your house at night, the first thing you do is, you put the light. If there is no light, it does not matter what is there in the room. It looks void. And it looks empty. Will the Lord fill me? Lord, I don't have this. God says, let there be light. Let there be light. Psalm 119, 130 says, the entrance of his word brings light. Brings light. What brings light? The entrance of his word brings light. Get these pictures very, very clearly. First, what light brings in, the word brings in, is hope. Hope. That's the first thing God births in man after the fall. What is it? The seed of the woman. So there is hope burst. Do you remember John the Baptist in the river Jordan? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Two of them followed Jesus. Jesus said, what do you seek? Master, where do you stay? He says, come. They went and dwelt with him that day. One of them was Andrew. Andrew straight away went to his brother Peter and said, come, we have met the Messiah. Why? What were they were hoping? They were hoping for the Messiah. What are you hoping for? What is your hope connected to? The one who will save you. For this purpose the Son of Man came that he may destroy the works of the devil. Nicodemus came in the dark and went out in the dark because he was not coming looking for the Messiah. He wanted to know the secret of God's power. I know you are a man of God, otherwise you won't be able to do this. this thing. He said, you know what? Unless you get born again, you cannot see or enter or understand what the kingdom of God is. The next chapter, he goes to Samaria. There's a Samaritan woman, a person with whom you wouldn't want to spend your time 
Six husbands, five husbands living with the sixth one and they're having a conversation. And then you know what? She also had hope. They're talking about worship. She says, when Christ the Messiah comes, he will explain to us all these things. Do you know what he said? I am he. I am he. She left her pot, ran to the town and told them, come and see the Messiah. Come and see the Messiah. When you invite people to the church, don't tell them, come and see our worship. Come and hear our pastor. Tell them, come and see the Messiah. Because where two or three gather in my name, I am in their midst. If you had come with that in your mind, you will encounter him today. Because he's there. He's always true. He never lies. If he said, I will be there, he is here. That's how hope is birthed. And that's where faith comes. Faith comes. So God does everything by faith. Because this is what he desires. He speaks to what he desires. Like I said, there are two kinds of hope. One is natural. The other is divine. One is birthed in self by the flesh. Other is birthed by God. Romans 4, 18 and 19. Who contrary to hope in hope believed. So there is a hope that is human. And as time passes on, the hope starts fading. And you start, you know what? Start lowering a bar. When you begin school, first rank, state first. After a few years, class first. After a few years, at least a first class. By the time you reach class 10, just pass. What happened? Because your hope was in yourself. Not a divine hope. It's a human hope. In divine hope, it is birthed by God. So it doesn't matter who you are. You are the 11th son in a family of 12. And he gets to dream. This is the dream. I had a dream. There were 12 sheaves of wheat. Mine was standing upright. And I saw the other 11 bowing. Next dream, the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing. Now that is of God. That is not of man. That is of God. 22 years later, they will all bow before the governor of Egypt. Why? Because that hope was birthed by God. So there is a natural hope. And there is a divine hope. Don't confuse between these two. Don't birth hope in your flesh and then flog God to fulfill it. But there are hope in this world which are temporal. 
just of God. It's not of, not of the devil. It's of God. But it is temporal. It is temporal. And there is hope of God that is eternal. Go to First Corinthians 15 and 19. 15, 19. I didn't give it. If only in this life we have hope in Christ. So in this life you can hope, have hope in Christ. There's many hopes that are connected with Christ with this life. What is that? Healing. I don't need healing there. I need healing here. Strength. Provision. A spouse. All unmarried. Spouse. Those who are married. Children. These are all hopes connected with this life. You are not going to get married over there. The Bible is very clear. You are not going to have children over here. So there are a lot of things that are genuinely godly, kosher hopes connected with Christ. But if your hope is only connected in Christ with this life, you are the most pitiable. The most pitiable. Because the hope of Christ is not only connected with this life, it goes into eternity. And when it goes into eternity, there may be some of those temporal hopes you will discard. Because it becomes a block. Though it is right for somebody, God may tell you it's not right for you. Because your eternity is connected with something else. So, Jeremiah don't get married. Isn't it the God's will that man should get married? Yes. It's he who instituted marriage. But Jeremiah, don't get Don't beget children. What does God to do with it? Because it's bigger than a temporal hope. So there is hope that is temporal in Christ and there is hope that is in Christ which is eternal. Because God is a God of hope and is a God of faith. Then there is a hope that God can birth in you and then you don't wait to hear the rest. And you take off on your own. God birthed hope in an old couple. When the first time he told them the father was 75 years old. In you all nations shall be blessed. Married for so long, we have no children. Hope is birth. We shall have a child. Then a few years later, down the line, maybe when he's 80 or 85 years old, God comes and shows him. He says, do you see the stars in the sky? Yes. Your seed will be like them. Hope is reinforced. goes and tells his wife. Wife has a very wonderful suggestion. What is the suggestion? The suggestion is have a child through the way of the flesh. Hope is birthed of God. But your act is not an act of faith. It's an act of flesh. It births Ishmael. Births Ishmael. Now God has come 13 years later and tells him, that's not the guy I picked up. Lord, what are you saying? Because you invested so much in this. Author, hope was God. But the author, faith was man. 
Did you see the difference? The author of hope was God, but the author of faith was man. Now we have raised him up and it is looking so good. And you are saying in Genesis 17 and verse 18, Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Shut down your ministry. <laughs> Lord, what are you telling me? Resign your job. Lord, what are you telling me? But Lord, you told me long ago, I will work. Yeah, I didn't tell you where to work. Before that, you ran. Lord, please, Lord, please. Oh, Lord, that you would bless Ishmael. God will answer your prayer. Verse 20 and 21. But as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful. Will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes. I will make him a great nation. Why will I do all these things? Because you prayed, I shall answer your prayer. But my covenant, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. But he will say, you need to understand this. All that work of your life called Ishmael, that will not outside the covenant. Meaning there is nothing eternal in it. My covenant is with Isaac. What is eternal is Isaac. The simple question is, do you have the time, the energy, the resources to waste on Ishmael? Do you want to wake up one morning and God says, Throw the bondwoman and her son out because they cannot live together. That's why it's so important to hear. Do you want to waste 15 years pursuing a career and at this head back against the wall and then you are turning left and right? Lord, what is happening? Lord, is what is happening? And God says, resign. Lord, what are you saying? Do you know I took a bank loan? Do you know how much I owe people? Do you know what all these people will say? God said, yes, but do you want to move? I will prosper you if you want. I will allow you to finish all this. I will allow you to buy makans and gadis and everything and all. But I will tell you, all that work will not be under my covenant. I'm talking to people how to save time. Because we have very limited time in life. We are constrained by something that is called time. We are constrained by something that is called strength. And as you grow older and older, one of the first things you realize is your time is running out. Your strength is running out. Your resources are running out. The simple thing is that are you caught between the temporal and the eternal? So we need light. We need light. We need light. You know how much you can say? See, many of these old people, patriarchs and patriarch amas in the Bible. You know? I don't know what to call the patriarch's wife, which are the Indian patriarch, matriarchs. Yes, matriarch. Matriarchs is a, okay, matriarch is a, it's, it's a, it's a different word now today. Okay, matriarchs. They were very smart people. Rebecca was a very smart mother. As soon as there was this thing in this thing, she didn't take Daijin or Jalusan. She knew this was spiritual. She went to the Lord and inquired of the Lord and God said, the older shall serve the 
younger. What does it mean? I have, you have two kids in your womb. It's a younger who's chosen by me and not the older. The Bible says she's kept Jacob aside. Very carefully marked out. This is Esau came seconds earlier. This came second. Jacob was kept aside by the mother because she understood purpose. And you will realize Jacob becomes Jacob because the mother understood purpose very early in life, very early before he was born and she makes strategic decisions because of that. She kept him aside. And Esau is going out all the time to play, to hunt and everything. This fellow doesn't go anywhere. He is in the tents with his mother. But you don't understand he is born when his father is 60 years old. And when he is 60 years old, his grandfather is still alive. Grandfather is 160 years old because Isaac was born when Abraham was 100. And Jacob is born when Abraham is 160. For the next 15 years of his life, because he is kept in the tents by the mother, he is able to hear about the God of Abraham from Abraham's lips. Which Esau never heard, nor was he interested. One strategic decision by the mother. So that Jacob would hear. You need to understand why it matters. What is your hope connected with? And God is not even talking about Jacob or Esau. He's talking about two nations. So she knows whatever is connected with the younger boy is connected with eternity. It's not a temporal thing. It's an eternal thing. Whatever is connected with the Christ in you, you will never be temporal. It is eternal. So what we need is light. The entrance of his word brings light. That's what God spoke. Let there be, let there be light. You see, the Bible is such a beautiful, simple, practical book, right? If you are used to waking up early in the morning when it is still dark, the first thing that you do is light. So that you know where you are going. What is the first thing that we need? What we need is light. Genesis 1.4 says, God said, let there be light, verse 3, and God saw the light. I said, did you see how beautiful it is? What God saw was void, formlessness, and darkness. What God desired was something else. And he spoke, let there be light. And what he sees is light. What he sees is light. What he sees is light. And he looked at that light. And he said, it is good. Now please remember when God said light, all darkness did not go. There is still darkness. The entrance of your word brings light. That doesn't mean all darkness has gone. Light has just entered. Do you know, even in this room, right now when you are standing, this place where we are standing is where you have more light and the darkest is at the back. The real thing, there is more light here. If there is more light here, that means there is less darkness here. If there is less light there, it means there is more darkness there. 
When God said, let there be light, all the darkness did not go. And God looked and he looked only at the light. And he looked at the light and said, it is good. When God looks at you and me, he has to see light. And he looks at the light and he says, it's good. He never compliments darkness. Never does. This division will continue. Let me warn you. This is spiritual truth. This division, if we are not careful, will continue all through eternity. Revelation 21 and verses 23 to 25. The city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Christ is the light of that city. New Jerusalem is shining with the glory of Jesus Christ. And by the way, what is New Jerusalem? It is the bride of Christ Jesus. The glory of the woman is man. The glory of the city is Christ. That city is full of people who glorified Jesus. And his glory is shining. And for the whole new universe, the city becomes its light. And... The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth. So you need to realize, there is a city shining with the light of Jesus Christ. There is earth which does not have so much light. They are walking in the light of that city. There are kings in that earth. We have more light. There are subjects in that earth which have less light. So this division goes through eternity depending upon how you receive light. The play of darkness and light is going all through eternity. Doesn't end here. Doesn't end here. So those who are in the city, the Bible says, they shall see his face and serve him. What about those who are in earth? There are people on earth and there are kings on earth. And the kings are bringing their glory and honor into the city. So there is glory and honor in the next life too. So that's why I said, if only in this life you have hope in Christ, God says, you're the most pitiable of people. You're selling away your birthright. For something that is of God in the temporal without looking at the eternal. Because Christ in me is the hope of my glory. Not me in me with the help of Christ. No, Christ in me. Get these pictures. So that you will know how to make decisions in life. And you don't need a PhD to make those decisions. It's as simple as that. Saul of Tarsus, who are you? Jesus of Nazareth. What should I do? Decision is made instantly. Instantly made. And then at the end of his life he says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished my race. And I've kept my faith. I know what's reserved for me. It's glory. The crown of righteousness. And it was a righteousness that is of by faith, unto faith, unto faith, unto faith. And he has allowed Christ, who authored faith in him, to finish it in him. It's as simple as that. Don't get caught in the temporal. Don't get caught in the temporal. But there is a shift in the new covenant. Please understand, the entrance of his word brings life, light.
the entrance of his word brings? In the beginning was the word, John 1. The word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning. Verse 3. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. Verse 4. In him was life. In him was life. That life was the... Please understand now. We are not living in the old covenant. Where his word is life. His life is light. His life in you and me is the light of men. We have moved from theory to life now. Practical. What God does is when you are born again, his very spirit comes, births in you, his life. And that spirit who births in you, that spirit is life. And that life alone is the light of man. My life is darkness. Nations will not come to it. People will not drawn to him. Because when they see is their darkness in my darkness. Their darkness in my darkness. So I am not a source of hope for them. I am a source of depression for them. But then there is his life. That life becomes the light of man. You receive that life by faith. You hear, you believe, you obey. And when you hear, believe and obey, what you are partaking and what is coming out of you is the very life of God. You won't understand it. That's why it is by faith. You won't understand it. That's why by faith. Hebrews 11 verse 3. By faith we understand. By faith we Understand here doesn't mean you understand with your mind. It simply means you experience God's reality. We cannot understand what God is doing. We just believe what he has said because he said this is how I live. This is how I do things. So you receive it by faith. Receive my power, my grace to do it and just do it. It's my life. It's my life. Do you know what the word of God says? The word of God says, because of the preaching of the word, the act of deliverance, Paul and Silas were beaten, stripped and beaten. And they were thrown into the prison at the midnight hour and their legs were put up in stocks. The Bible says they were praying and they were singing. You know what it is? It's the life of Christ. Because he said, when you are persecuted, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. They received it by faith. Received it by faith. And they practiced it by faith. And the Bible says, all the captives were listening. Why were they listening? Because in them was life. And that light, life was the light of men. It is dark. It's a midnight hour. But the life of God is not constrained by physical darkness. Life speaks. It is spirit life. It is not constrained by darkness. The Bible says all the prisoners were listening. And the Bible says the power of God came into the prison. It is not written Paul and Silas' chains came off. It says everybody's chains came off. It says all the doors opened. 
speak in the name of Jesus. As the life of God is manifested in you, shut doors will open in Jesus' name. The life of Jesus opens doors that are shut. You don't need the emperor's permission to open the prison doors. When God comes in, doors open. Doors open. Because that's what the life of Christ does. In him was life. That life was the light of man. That's what Jesus is saying. I have come to give you life. I've come to give you life. Life in abundance. That life itself becomes the light of men. But if they see your life and my life, it is darkness. It's a dark sitting in the dark. It's a blind calling onto the blind. Because my life has no power to change the life of somebody else. It's God's life. It's God's life. That is what God is trying to give it to us. His life. But that life is received by faith. In the old covenant, you had acts of faith. In new covenant, he says, my righteous shall live by faith. And Paul understands that mystery because of his surrender. And he says, the life that I love, I live by the faith of the Son of God. But we don't want it. You know why don't we want it? We want glory. We want temporal satisfaction. We want to be on Facebook. We want to be on social media. We want to be appreciated by men. And therefore God says, you know what? Let's save. But you will die. You are saved. But you will die. Because you cannot speak for me. You cannot speak for me. Even the greatest in the old covenant Remember, for him, the entrance of God's word was light. But as soon as that stopped, he was sitting in darkness. He's sitting in the prison. And he's sending his disciples to ask, go and ask him, are you the one to come or should we look for somebody else? John, John, what happened to you? Well, we understand. You are an old covenant person. You don't have that life. You don't have that life. You don't have that person living in you. To give you light. Beaten, broken, town after town, stoned to death, flogged three times, famine, desert, you name it, Paul had it. But you know what he says? I know in whom I have lived. I know in whom and I'm well persuaded this morning. Are you persuaded? Are we persuaded? That I said, their very praise and prayer there is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. All they're doing there is use their mouth with words. Their hope has substance. Has substance. That's what God is talking about. The word became flesh. Dwelt among us. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the father. Full of grace. And full of truth. Full of grace and full of truth. 
And from the fullness of his grace, we have received blessing upon blessing upon blessing. What is healing? It's a parting of his grace. What is deliverance? It's a parting of his grace. What is promotion? It's a parting of his grace. You can name whatever it is. It's all part of his grace. Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. That's what God is talking. And you will see people in the kingdom of God looking at their temporal situations, making eternal choices. When they made that choice, they had no clue where they would end. But they knew this is the choice has to be made because this, this is the only choice that is true. I told you, the new covenant person does not live by the principle whether it is good or evil. That's from the tree of knowledge. Whether it is legal or illegal, that is under the law. He lives with the principle of, is it true or not? Is it true or not? God is truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. He said, my word is truth. And he says, the church is the foundation and the pillar of truth. So it does not matter whether it is right or wrong. Only thing that matters is whether it is true. And you do not true. That is why God says, don't judge. How do we judge? That is wrong. This is right. He says, don't judge. Don't judge. Because you will judge only by the outward. What your senses can perceive. You cannot make right judgments. Do you know what Jesus said? My judgment is right. He will not judge by what he hears. He will not judge by what he sees, is what the prophet Isaiah says. But in righteousness, he judges. And Jesus comes and says, my judgment is always right. Why? Because I only say what I hear from above. I don't say what I see or hear. I hear from my father and I speak. And therefore, all my judgments are right. Because my father is never wrong. Are you getting the picture? Are you getting it? Is it, is it complicated? Are you getting it? Prophets can go wrong. Samuel went wrong. Prophet Samuel went wrong. He came to Jesse's house. He heard the word of God. Go to Jesse's house. How long will you grieve for this, uh, this Saul? Go anoint one of his sons as the next king. So he went there. Whole town is, little village is all in tumult because prophet has come. Jesse gets all his sons ready. But only seven sons are raised. The eighth one he didn't consider. He's in the wilderness. First one comes. Abinadab comes. Truly this is the Lord's anointed. God says, nah. Shema comes. Nah. One by one. Lord, what is going wrong? He says, you're looking at the outside. You're looking by the principle of what is right and wrong. He looks right. He looks right. He looks right. By the time the youngest one comes smelling of sheep, he looks wrong. God, he's true. He's true. He's true. He's true. You don't make those judgments. It's a different life you are called to live. Don't make any judgments based on outward things. 
which pertain to the principles of this world. We have to go to the principle of life. In him was life. And that life became. How do you partake of that life? It's by faith. That's why three times in the new covenant he says, My just shall love by faith. My just shall love by faith. My righteous who loves by faith, if he or she draws back, my soul won't be pleased with him. Why? Because they are denying the life of my son and projecting their own life. And what I see is darkness. And it is not good. It is not good. It doesn't matter how right you are. You are still wrong. Doesn't matter how right you are. You are still wrong. I'm trying to save you time. Because we have a comp- we have an issue. Issue is with man's issue is with time. Three score and ten years. And add another ten years. By then, hmm, four score. And then what happens? If you want to be like Moses at the age of 120, walk by the principle of life. You see, he was the last man standing. Everybody else is dead. You read the book of Deuteronomy, everybody is dead and this is the last man standing and God's word cannot go back. He said, you will die. But this man will not die. He will not die. Why? Because his natural strength has diminished. His eyes are as sharp as that. Why? Because though he gave the law, he's living by the principle of life. He's not living by the law. He's living by the principle of life. So God has to quietly, secretly take him and knock him out. And he buries him. These are simple principles over there in the Bible. What are the principles by which you are living? Are you living by the principle of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? So you become the arbiter. This one is good, that one is bad. This one is good, that one is bad. Really? Or your principle of the law. This one comes to church regularly. He never breaks his Sabbath. He is a good man. Which are you going by? God says, do you know this Pharisee who is praying? He goes by the law. He tithes regularly. He gives to the poor. He, all his acts are good and he's false. And do you know this guy? He breaks every law in the book. Even if he wants to do good, he does evil. But when he comes here and cries without even looking at me, he's true. He's true. He's true. So he will go home justified. So this morning, what do you want to be? You want to be false or you want to be true? No, I want to be right. And God says, what do you want to be? Lord, I want to be true. God says, partake of my life. There is only one life that is true. That's my life. Everything God had for Israel was in the promised land. Do you know that? Everything was in the promised land. Outside the promised land in the wilderness, they had to live by the pink ration card. 
Morning by morning you go to the ration card and collect your ration. That's how they lived for 40 years. Because everything God had for them was in the promised land. Do you know that everything God has for us is in Christ and Christ alone. Nothing outside Him. Read your Bible. In Christ and Christ alone. You know what in Christ is? It's a life. It's a life. Everything the Father had for the Son was in the Father. So he said, when I come down, I'll show you a way. I will not live my life. I will live my Father's life and everything the Father has for me, I will have. It was the Father's life he lived on earth. That's why he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So always go to the beginning. As we go to communion, always go to the beginning. What is written? In the beginning, God. Simple way to live life. In the beginning, every day in the beginning, God. In the end, God. In between, God. Not yourself. In between, in the simple things, God. In the complex things, God. In the simplest thing, Daniel purposed in his heart, he will not defile himself from the food that is on the table. Very simple. The king said, if they cannot interpret what I have dreamed of, tell me, cut their heads off. That is a very complex thing. That also God. With Daniel, have you noticed whether it is a matter of eating or whether it is a matter of losing your head, it is still God. And you see him, 12 chapters in the book of Daniel, kings come and kings go, he begins with Jehoiakim, ends with Cyrus or somebody or Darius or whatever unpronounceable names they had, expresses and what all that. These kings just come and go. Every new dispensation says, we have heard about this man. Can you serve us? Why did they seek Daniel? Because Daniel was not living his life. In him was life. That life became the light of kings. Light of kings. Where ultimately the king had to confess, Oh, you Daniel, who serve your God continuously. Are you alive? God, God bless you, my king. I hope you slept well. I am fine here. Angel came and shut the mouth of the lions. Can a lion devour the life of God? No, it cannot. Satan is a lion. Can Satan devour the life of God in you and me? No, he cannot. But he can devour my life and your life. Because the curse over Satan is this. All the days on the belly you shall crawl and you shall lick the dust of the earth. That is my flesh life. Dust unto dust you shall be. So my flesh is fodder for him. The life of Christ is not is not. So there's a transference literally that has to take place through faith. Where through faith what we are receiving is the life of God. And God looks at it and he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Well pleased. Everything let me tell you. As we go to communion and the elders come, the worship team comes. Everything you have to bring Christ in. 
If you didn't bring the light, life of Christ, if you bring the life of Christ in, like Peter, when the king has ordained your execution tomorrow, you can sleep. Because it's the life of Christ. You know why? I gave my beloved. I gave my beloved rest. Who is the beloved? It's not you. He has accepted me in the beloved. I'm not the beloved. In me, me in Christ is the beloved. Do you know how to bring faith into everything and bring Christ into everything? The life of Christ. Lord, I have all these issues I'm facing. And your word says, you accepted me in the beloved. And your word says, you give your beloved rest. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest. This is how faith comes. Because the righteous are called to live by faith. And to live 24-7 by faith. Where all the normal activities of life is brought into faith. So the Bible says, if anyone doubts while he's eating or drinking, he sins. Because whatever is not of faith is sin. So you know what is sin in my life? Everything that is not of the life of Christ is sin. It is darkness. It's rejected. It is Ishmael. Doesn't matter how good it is, how blessed it is, how many people say tarif, how many people clap for it. It is dead. It is not part of the covenant. Not part of the covenant. Come, worship team, come. What is part of the covenant? The life of Jesus Christ. That is when the disciples all started leaving. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood. They said, this doctrine, this doctrine, we do not want. He was saying a transference of his life for our rotten life. Can you receive my life and get rid of your rotten life? Come. Let's go to communion. Even when you partake of communion, now that you believe, we believe we have received mercy. When you partake of communion, you have to go what Christ has said through his spirit about communion. Because you did not judge yourself, many of you did not judge yourself. Because you have sinned against the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, because you did not judge yourself, many of you are sick, weak, and asleep. So if we judged ourselves as Christ has called us to judge ourselves, don't make it radical. Judge, as the word of God says, judge ourselves. And you believe you have received mercy, you also have to believe the other side. As I partake of this, which are the emblems of his body and his life which he offered for us, I will not be sick. I'll be well. I will not be weak. I'll be strong. I will not be asleep. I'll be awake to know what is God is doing now in this generation. I don't want to know what God did in 2020. I want to know what God is doing now. He says that day should not catch you by surprise because you are children of light. Light. You know what the promise means? It promise means if Jesus is going to come on February the 6th, you will know. You will be prepared. You will be ready to with no accounts to be balanced. You are ready to go. I will not catch you by surprise. It's the ones who live in darkness. Who were not living the life of Christ. They will be caught by surprise. Caught by surprise. 
That is why the church is asked to hasten the Lord's coming. Hasten the Lord's coming. Because in every parable, wherever the good ones fell away, is because the bridegroom delayed. Delay is something we do not want. Because a delay causes its own troubles. When the bridegroom delayed, five virgins fell away. They were virgins. They were good. What was the reason? Bridegroom delayed. So Peter through the spirit will give us the unction. Church has the power to hasten the Lord's coming. Because his delay is dangerous for the old man. The old man has a way, I told you, of drifting away. Drifting away. It is the nature of the old man to drift away from the things of God. We don't want delay. If you ask God to delay, it's not for ourselves. It should never be for ourselves. It should be for somebody else. Abraham is not standing in the gap and say, Lord, would you please save me and my wife? He says, no, Lord. If there are 50 righteous in that city, he's not interceding for himself. He's ready. He's ready. The Lord has come to his house fellowship to bless him. He's ready to go. Is praying for somebody else, another believer who had drifted away. If you pray for delay, let it not be about ourselves, let it be about somebody else. Because one thing they were told when they were leaving Egypt was gird your loins, eat with haste, and get ready to live in a moment's notice. Midnight hour, God said, get out. Eat with the Passover lamb with haste. There is something which you should learn to eat with haste. You know what it is? It's the life of Christ. Eat that with haste so that you are ready to leave. Because the only thing that will prepare you to leave is the life of Christ. That is the Passover lamb. We're talking serious things as we come to the communion. Yes, hope is good. Temporal things are all good. But if you have hope, in Christ, only in this life. God says you are most pitiable. Pitiable. We don't want to be pitied. We want to be well done. Well done. My good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Yes, Pastor Vijay. table. It's his table. Therefore, our table. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. 
come by faith. Faith alone. Not resting in our works. Not resting in anything. Not even in our confession or our repentance. However deep it may be. Depending only on your faithfulness. Because you said, if you confess, God is faithful. We don't know in ourselves how much we need to confess. But we can depend upon your faithfulness. For your name is true and faithful. We come to you. Believing. That as we partake of this. There will be a transference of your life. Into our life. Even when your servant Pastor Vijay broke the bread. We believe. What you did 2000 years ago was repeated here, that you have blessed this bread today. You have blessed this cup today. So as we partake of it, we are partaking of the blessed bread and the cup by the hands of the living God. And we shall be strong. We shall receive your life. And we shall be awake. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you know about the second generation that possesses the promised land, it is written, God gave them rest from all their enemies. It is not just that they possess the promised land. They kept the promised land. They kept what they possessed. If he tarries to come, if he tarries to come, do you know what we are called to do? Occupy till he comes. Occupy till he comes. Every part of our soul, every part of our soul, every part of our physical being, our body, so that when he comes, he can present our spirit, our soul, and our body. Blameless. The glory of God. That is what it means to occupy till he comes. So this morning, there's only one life. It's no second life. It's only one life. God accepts. It's a life of faith. It's a life of faith. And with the enemy, our first line of defense need to understand, our first line of defense is not the belt of truth. This is not the breastplate of righteousness. It is not the helmet of salvation. It is the shield of faith. That's the first line. If it crosses that and it starts questioning you, your very righteousness and very your salvation, that is when the other things come into play. But your first line of defense from the fiery darts of the enemy is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Where you are able to say, it is written. That's my life. I have no life outside the boundaries of God's will. That's what is written. That's what I believe. That's what I speak. And help me God. That's what I try to do. That's the law of faith. And in that faith, in that life, there is no condemnation. 
But the Bible says, who is he that condemns? Because it is Christ who justifies. He says, how dare you question my life? How dare you question my righteousness? No other life. Only one life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. This is the simplicity of the gospel. This is the doctrine of Christ. This is the life of God. Lived faith unto faith. Till the end. You began that good work in us. You are the author of our faith. Lord, help us each day to allow you to finish it. You be my beginning. You be mine and our end. You be the first. You be the last. You be the alpha. You be the omega. And you be all in between. Then the father can look and say, I am well pleased. This is my beloved son's life. I bless you people in your name. Pray the hand of God will rest upon them. The hand that delivers. The hand that heals. The hand that empowers to live that life will rest upon each one of us. And when we go, we go in peace. And our hearts and minds will be set on things that are above and things that are eternal. Because it is written, the things that we see are temporal. The things that are unseen are eternal. And your word promises us that you will keep our hearts and mind in peace. And the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I pray as your people, we your people, go through this week and we come back. You would have gone in peace, walked in peace, and stayed in peace. Then you would know the kingdom has worked in us. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. We stand in your house and once again declare, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. God's people said, Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. 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 God bless you.